As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Heretics Podcast. We are your heretics. I'm Graham Barlow and with me is Damon Smith. This issue we're going to do something a bit different. We're going to be doing a movie review. Um, Damon, how has your movie viewing progress been this week? Uh, it's been really interesting, mate. The, the movie that we're going to review, you recommended to me. Yep. Uh, and I found it uh, quite interesting. Um, I, I, it hasn't knocked either of my top two martial arts movies off their respective slots, but I, I definitely count it as one of the better martial arts movies I've seen. Yeah. Cool. So the, the movie we're talking about is The Art of Self-Defense, um, which we've both watched and came out in 2019, I believe. Um, it's a... Uh, oh, what's his name? Eisenberg? Eisen... Do you know I don't know, mate. Oh, do you know what? This is the time when I wish I could look things up on my computer without it breaking. Oh, you're talking. Are you talking about the actor? Yeah, the actor. rather than the director. Jesse, yeah, Jesse, Jesse Eisenberger. Eisenberger. That's it. Jesse Eisenberger. That's right. Yeah, he, he's the main. Right, yeah. He's the main guy in the film. Um, yeah, and it follows um, the story of of his kind of um, progress from being a sort of a dirty white belt up to being something more in a school of karate. Yeah. But before we get into it, I believe we've got some patrons to thank. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's not new patrons this time around. It's uh, two of our existing patrons, Mr. David Horswell and Gabriel E., have upped their uh, subscription levels, which is fantastic. Uh, thanks ever so much, guys. Uh, as I've noted before, one of the things that I'm currently rushing, <laughs> to the best of my ability, to get done is to get everybody... Uh, who's seven dollar level and above into the patron notes uh, on the Grove? Um, I'm aware I'm not going as fast as I should be on that, but uh, these two gentlemen, um, thanks ever so much for for giving me a kick, <laughs> and I shall try to get those out to everybody uh, as soon as possible. So um, they, they've uh, they've gone from yellow belt to green belt, I think. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good, it's good, good transition into good, the movie, mate. Yeah, because the I mean, the movie is very much about belt rankings in martial arts, which I know you know a lot about and I know a lot about. Um, yeah. But it, it, I just thought it's <laughs> funny. We, maybe we should, the patrons should also have belt rankings. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Well, it doesn't work I, out I don't too know, well you know, in the film, the, does it? Every every patron, one dollar and and above, is. is uh, unbelievably appreciated uh, so I try not to try not to work it in that way I mean I, I very much view it as people who are supporting us and uh, 
Uh, it's just great that people care enough about what we're doing. It's it's also an impetus to try and do some good stuff. And I think that one of the things we can try is, is doing movie reviews on subjects that we both know something about. Uh, so maybe this is a another string to the bow. We, we've done. We talked about a movie before. Was was that patrons only? The um, we did a review of Crouching Tiger. Was that for everybody? Yeah, we did. We did Crouching Tiger, only. which you hated. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> At least we do one today that you liked. Yeah, well, I do like it. Yeah, so this should be a very, very different kind of review. Um, so, uh, so, so should we start with? Where we start though? Well, I mean, the, the the problem for me with this film is I. I I find it really hard to explain how good it is because it, it's now my second favourite martial arts film and it's, there's so much in it at the same time as being so little in it. It's a very simple story but they're taking yeah. on some very big issues all at the same time. It, the film starts with these French tourists. Do you remember that bit at the start? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that just seems unconnected to the rest of the, the film almost. It's, there's a couple of French tourists and they start making fun of him and then he goes. That's and right. Yeah. And so I, 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 kind of got the impression that. But the the joke there is that he that he understands what they're talking about. They're see, they're making fun of him and they think he doesn't speak French. But he does. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And and he does and he just yeah. takes it, doesn't he? Because he's he's a kind of yeah. a, a weak beta male. Is is it what yeah. the film the film's trying to make out? Isn't it? Um, yeah, this is true. I thought it's it first of all the acting. Um, Jesse Eisenberg and and the others, um, I believe it's Alessandro uh, Nivola, Imogen Poots, and a guy called David Zellner. I thought the casting was absolutely excellent yeah. on the film, yeah, and, and the, the standard acting is absolutely great. The guy playing the sense oh. was fantastic, and, and also Imogen yeah. Poots yeah. I thought did a, an amazing job. Yeah, it, it's she, there's an internal conflict within her character, isn't there? And it, it's um, it's always those sort of gritty. Um, you can't quite figure them out, kind of characters that make things interesting, and that that goes back to the to the old classics, doesn't it? In China, you know things like, um, you know, uh, uh, Journey to the West, and um, uh, the Watt Margin, and mm. you know, Story of the Stone, and all these kind of these kind of old classics. They they have that kind of the characters that are in them aren't flat and. Um, flat and monodimensional you know they have multiple dimensions to them but at I the same time the, the, I thought the characters thing. in this film they're not quite real they don't seem like real people they're, they have a kind of um, but the whole film is it's not really set in a particular time it's very hard to place when it happened it's like it's, is it, is it's it very set <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is it 90s uh, the, the, then there's some, there's some music that sounds like it's modern at the same yeah, time. based on the cars, based on the cars, I would say because there were some cars that were driving around. I'd say that it's probably nineties. Uh, it, 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 but it had the feeling. I mean, what it what it totally reminded me, start to end, is when I started doing martial arts when I was a kid in the seventies. Yeah, and it just had that flavor. Although it's a parody, it had that flavor of those that sort of old school. Um, old school western, not old school eastern, mm. uh, kind of dojo thing. I mean, in in those days, there was a lot less knowledge around about martial arts. Uh, certainly in the seventies, and also in the eighties, uh, a lot less knowledge around because obviously there was no internet, and you know, nobody, um, 
nobody there was nobody like you've got today with people who spend all their day long trawling uh, web pages about martial arts and uh extremely knowledgeable and then a tiny percentage of them actually practice martial arts as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. Seriously. It was it was sort of the exact opposite. So what I would describe is a lot of people today are very knowledgeable but their dedication to what they do is very low. I not don't mean everybody but mm-hmm. in, uh, in general. Whereas in the seventies if you joined a class when I when I did and it was in the late seventies, I guess, mid to late seventies, you would see the exact opposite you would see a bunch of very ignorant people um, who were very, very serious about the <laughs> tiny amount of knowledge that they had. They were dedicated <laughs> as hell, weren't they? <laughs> and and we had to, no idea. They were willing we to die no for idea. that half, almost. Which, we which, didn't have a clue. <laughs> I mean, again, the film, the film really riffs on that idea of someone being willing to die for their martial art and, and, <laughs> and die for their sensei, because, I mean, that literally is what goes on toward when the film takes a dark turn towards the end so spoilers if you're if you haven't watched the film don't, yeah don't mate, we're not going to be able to <laughs> we're not going to be able to do this without doing spoilers so we might as well <laughs> yeah but the, the film takes a very dark turn and i think it's all to do with that idea like you're saying of, of the fact that people were very dedicated to this stuff and they, they really but you know what it, it it made me want to do i mean it, it made me nostalgic in a certain a certain sense i mean i would, I would never run a class <laughs> Like that, I, I hasten to add, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is bloody worse than Cobra Kai, isn't it? You know, made Cobra Kai look like goodies, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, and that, that's another point is that, you know, that it was it's squarely aimed at the Karate Kid, isn't it? You know, and, and the Karate Kid is my second favourite martial arts movie, uh, and it remains so. Uh, yeah. But this one's definitely up there. I'd definitely put this in my top five, you know. Um, and that's the idea of a karate school run wrong. Uh, but with a lot of what you would call dedication and sincerity in it, that really rang true to me. I, I was very nostalgic, to be honest, mm. uh, and it made me want to run out and open an old mm. school karate dojo. I know I'd get no students whatsoever if I did that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, but it days. made me want to, you know, <laughs> like they had the sign just like karate written across the top of the window. <laughs> Yeah, nothing and else. That was it, you know? <laughs> nothing else. No style. No, no. We also do MMA. That was our second. Nothing else needed to be said. Wasn't nothing it? like that. Yeah. You know, just karate. Uh, and um, uh, oh, I was very, very nostalgic. I, I seriously want to do that. But on the issue of um, on the issue of time, like I, I, I believe it was deliberately set outside time, um, in yeah, a kind of a yeah. surreal way. And the reason that people are talking in a kind of robotic way all the time is that none of it's really real. It's all a yeah. bit of a, a fantasy or a, a surrealist. Yeah, adventure. yeah, but you can't say it's completely unreal because I mean it was an exaggeration. It's there like, was nothing yeah. in it that hasn't happened somewhere at some point in time. It's like it was more of an exaggeration. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, hyper real. Yeah, hyper real is a good uh, description of it. And I'll tell you one thing that struck to do with the timeline. You're saying that the cars look nineties. The uh, some of the technology looked 80s to me, like the computer. But the techniques they were doing, when um, Imogen Poots had that fight with the brown belt, the Chinese yeah. guy, she she um, swept him over with a berimbolo, which is <laughs> which is jiu- Brazilian jiu-jitsu technique, which only became yeah. popular in about 2013. <laughs> so before that, yeah. it didn't exist, really. And but yeah. she did the burying bowler, and then she did a rear naked choke. Which I mean, all those things, if it had been the eighties, would have been so rare to find. Yeah, finding yeah. Brazilian jiu jitsu 
taught openly like that would have in a karate dojo as well. I don't know. I don't know about the rear naked choke. I mean, they were definitely doing that in the seventies, um, but they tend to do it standing rather than on the ground. Um, yeah, but, the, so the way because, she did it was classic BJJ, wasn't it? It was the, the, yeah, on, yeah, on the yeah, ground absolutely. with both hooks in. You yeah, know, I mean, the, to the, get the, four it, points. It, it, it's true. The um, but I mean, just to, never mind the, the getting the, the legs in. It, the just the way the arms are done. Uh, there'll be no sophistication like that in the seventies. Um, the it's so easy to strip the hand. You know, often they put the hand on the top of the head yeah, <laughs> rather yeah, yeah. than rather than getting it behind and the fingers would be. It's so easy to to strip it off. But we didn't know that. We used to, we used to be taught to throw people over our shoulder when that happened and stuff like this. You yeah, know? because you'd be standing yeah, up, man. Wouldn't get you, your yeah. neck broken, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, but yeah, it, it definitely it was definitely a product of all the intervening generations. But I think in terms of the way that school was run. Uh, you couldn't. You couldn't. I mean, even if it had been run well, you know, even if you'd had a, a a class like that in the UK and you had karate written across the front and you had the sensei, and it was all traditional with belts and stuff, um, I don't think you would attract anybody in this day and age to go into that, uh, because the first thing they're going to do is look you up on the internet and they're going to see MMA videos and BJJ videos and all this kind of stuff. Well, the first thing and, I do is look at the picture yeah. of the guy's instructor, which is which happens a lot in the film. The grandmaster yeah. on the wall. The photo That's of the grandmaster right. is on the wall. Yeah, and it looks yeah. like the most. He looks about the most made-up sort of martial art thing you've ever seen. He's got a rainbow belt, yeah. which only he could yeah, wear. Yeah. <laughs> so there are there are a bunch of different martial arts that have that kind of a figure in them. Um, uh, you know, not not to say. Sure, so I'm not criticising particular martial artists. If I name people, I don't mean that they're like anything like that. I mean that they have that kind of stature where people revere them. Uh, Ed Parker would be for American Kempo would be a great example of that. Yeah. Um, but um, but the guy that that sprung to my mind was um, Moses Powell, uh, who's an old. Uh, He's not with us anymore, but he was a very, very famous at one time. Not anymore. He was a very, very famous uh, martial arts master um, who who had the the same kind of air or, or the same kind of um, atmosphere. Anyway, that that picture reminded me of Moses Powell for whatever reason. Um, he had he had some quite famous students. That guy. He was uh, Ron Van Cleef, the famous actor. Mm-hmm. He was uh, his teacher. Um, and I believe uh, Wesley Snipes as well learned with him and, and he was in a documentary with Chuck Norris and a bunch of other things and it just reminded me of him he's a big man, really yeah. big man Moses Powell and he has that sort of presence, you know, and that's what I thought about the picture it's almost like a charisma cult, you know Yes, uh, yes. You know, Moses Powell probably was a damn good martial artist, I never met him but it didn't really matter, he just looked awesome he just, I, I, <laughs> And also the amount of bowing to pictures as well. That I mean, I know you, you probably don't do much bowing to pictures anymore, but in jujitsu yeah. we always have a picture of somebody on the wall, and we have to bow to them and to start at the end. And it, it 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 kind of it just made you yeah. think twice about what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. Why are we doing this? Yeah. <laughs> well, we we did that uh, famous episode on Aikido, didn't we? Yes. And yeah, uh, yeah, we yeah. still always have to do that in Aikido or Sensei, as they refer to Ueshiba. You're bowing to him, and I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, well, let's not go into that again. But <laughs> but the, uh, the other thing with Moses Powell is he, Moses Powell was famous for his one finger roll. Which, yeah, that's right. That's right. 
Which I believe you can do as well. Okay, it's because it's a trick. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure Moses Powell, when he did it, it wasn't a trick, and he really was supporting himself on one finger. Uh, but it is a trick. Your weight doesn't go on your finger. I'll, I'll, I'll show you it next time. Next time we meet up, mate. But <laughs> the one Damon's Damon, Damon's version of the one finger, one finger roll. roll. But the, <laughs> in the film, the, the Grand Master was famous for his one finger through the head technique, <laughs> which, right. he, which yeah, he, yeah. he never taught to anyone. Because yeah, he which could, is what. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's kind of what made me, one of the things that made me think of Moses Powell. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's um, a definite. They obviously looked him up and they were using him as inspiration for the, 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 yeah, one, the one finger yeah. technique, you know. Yeah, and, and the, the martial art, I don't know if he founded it um, or he. Um, I think he might have been a student of the guy that founded it. Um, a thing called Vijitsute. Uh, you also get these sort of slightly non-Chinese sounding or non-Japanese sounding but yet Chinese and Japanese sounding names in the West uh, from that time period when there was a lot of not a lot of knowledge around mm. or oh, he does Vijitsute yeah. uh, the fact that that's not um, you know it, it doesn't sound very Japanese really except for the Jitsute <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is, is, it didn't matter and I remember this and if I'd heard about Vijitsute during the 70s I wouldn't do it you know <laughs> and it's uh, it's very very technique based as everything was in those days you know from what I've seen anyway I, you know, I'm no expert on it but from what I've seen it's very technique based nothing wrong with that it's an approach isn't it mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah it's it's uh, oh yeah and the guy on the wall he had the rainbow belt do you see that rainbow belt mm. that is so cool <laughs> And he kind of had a rainbow sword, like the handle on his sword, which they preserved. That's right, rainbow yeah. belt pattern on them. Oh, man, the rainbow belt. I want me one of them. Well, belts did play a huge part of this film as well. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. one of the recurring themes throughout the whole film was the importance of what belt colour you wear and how it ranked you yeah. against so your I, fellow you know, students. That's right. I have I have schizophrenia over this. You know that. <laughs> I, uh, when I when I've got my shingy hat on, I think belts are garbage. <laughs> Useless, yeah. stupid yeah, yeah. things I've yeah, invented. Yeah. And uh, one of my one of my shingy teachers, uh, a, a guy asked him one time, "If you don't have belts, how do you know who's the best?" He says, "We well, just have a fight. <laughs> See <Yeah>. who wins." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but on the other hand, when I have my Kempo hat on, I'm always trying to persuade people that belts are worthwhile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's sort of a challenge and they, you know, they keep you progressing and all that kind of stuff. And I think the truth is, I think they, they appeal to different types of people. And I think there are definitely people who like to go home and tell their mum they've got their next belt. And then wear, uh, wear, and th- wear the same colour belt in daily life as well, which is... <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> he said, I'd like to thank you and for again, this brown belt because... I can, I, I can. I remember it. I can remember that I am now a brown belt in daily life, and it helps I me hold my trousers up. <laughs> it's easy to joke about in this day and age, you know, because we all know it's nonsense. But, but back then, when I was a kid, you know, it's just like, oh my! I remember when I got my black belt, my first black belt. Oh my goodness, you know. Did you I, wear it all the I time? Thought I, I thought I'd made it to heaven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that's it. I've made it. You know. Oh dear! You see, I got you know? my I got my black belt in the modern age. So, to me, all, yeah. all the all the I mean, you know, it's still a big deal, but yeah, all, all yeah. the the mystique it had in the seventies had been had, had gone essentially. <laughs> it wiped out. Yeah, I mean, you, I you, you, you managed to yeah. earn one when it was it was this mis- mystical kind of thing, didn't you? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. And it's like that's what was missing from the film. 
Mm. Um, that's what was very, very modern about the whole film. Um, it's it's missing from everything to do with martial arts these days. It's missing from even what you would call traditional martial arts, what people call traditional martial arts, you know, things that usually come from the 1950s. They're not very traditional, but it's missing from just about everything is the mystery, is that kind of smoky, flavoursome uh, aspect to the martial arts. And um, you get that coming through... Uh, with to a certain extent you can see a, a, a symptom of it with this thing that Sensei is the you know, he, once he introduced himself as my name is Sensei yeah he, he never uses <laughs> a, a name does he he just calls himself Sensei yeah, like, and he always wears Sensei. black he's the only one wearing a black gi yeah, but film. I mean, he is the he is the font of all knowledge in the film. You know, that's the thing, mm-hmm. and and you do you did get that in those days. You know, go back to the seventies. Uh, like my, not, I, I don't want to name names, and probably not with us. Some some of my teachers definitely not with us in a couple of cases. But I would go to the leisure centre uh, and you know put my little karate suit on, and and start training. And there's a guy with a black belt in front of us, um, and. Um, you know, the how to put this in a good way, we thought that person was the font of all knowledge mm. and that they had this amazing mystical wisdom that we weren't party to and we just gradually would learn the secrets. And, you know, by modern standards, the guy now a clue, you know. <laughs> but we didn't know that and we didn't care. No. <laughs> uh, we were just having having a tremendous amount of fun and tremendously serious and I think that's why my number one slot for greatest martial arts film of all time will never be knocked off its top spot because nobody would make a movie like that anymore because the mystery is gone and that's End of the Dragon um, oh yeah well that's still my favourite as well I mean yeah and the mystery one. was there it was there when that movie was made mm. Um, it, quite apart a, from the fact that it's a good point, it was made as a proper movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's a great, it's a great um, point. It wasn't a comedy, was it? Enter the Dragon or anything? It was, it was a proper, like a James Bond movie, wasn't it? It, it was a James Bond. Movie. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they just yeah. they split James Bond into Bruce Lee and John Saxon. Mm. It was a, it was a, the yin and yang of James Bond, wasn't it? But mm. it was a Bond movie. Oh, it was a great movie. But the mystery of the martial arts, you know, that there's the famous scene with Bruce Lee. It's like a finger pointing at the moon. Yeah, the, the, Don't look at the finger or you miss all that heavenly glory. This is serious. I mean, this is it, it's an it's a old Chinese way of saying something very serious, mm. you know. Um, well, and, the, well um, Art of Self-Defense had a lot of um, interesting quotes. Just, but <laughs> what they're doing is they're kind of making fun of, of all those things that people say in martial arts classes that sound really profound, but if you think about them too much, are just not... That's the, the whole thing about you must learn how to punch like you kick and kick like you punch. Yeah, I, like, I, I don't know about that because one of the, one of the things that um, certainly putting the Xing Yi hat on again rather yeah, yeah. than the Kempo hat. When when I've been study, you know, I've spent a long time studying Bung. It's a, for those that don't know Xing Yi, it's a, it's a, probably the most basic punch in in Xing Yi, and it has a reputation as of hurting a bit. Um, I'd just like to add powerful. in that Damon has hit me with Bung several times and <laughs> to say it hurts a bit is is rather an, an understatement it's good for you, <laughs> good for you mate <laughs> well, that's, that's, not the, that's not the point I'm making the point I'm making is that uh, there's a movie, a video, I think you've seen it there's a horse uh, that's being shod in like a uh, like a stall yes, uh, I've seen, I've seen it yes. on. Yeah. 
and and the guy accidentally hurts the horse. He's not intend to, but he hurts the horse. And like in one frame of the film, the guy is in shot, and in the next frame of the film, the horse's leg is stuck out. <laughs> and, and the guy's and the guy not is there. Out of shot, <laughs> he's not there anymore. And it's just like that's to me. That's the best bung I've ever seen. <laughs> It's so what so you're good. saying is, and, is to, to and punch, that is punch, punch like you kick. Punch, kick is a real thing. <laughs> punch not like you kick, not punch like you kick, but punch like a horse kicks. <laughs> with and that was with its rear leg. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that. That's good advice. Punch like a horse kicks. But yeah. I guess what the film is saying that, like, so you, I mean, you're saying that as someone who I felt you you punch, and it it is like being kicked by a horse. But yeah. if that so, knowledge ends up in the hands of of people who say lack your ability and they, but they're still saying the same words I think that's what the film's well, trying just, to get to isn't it that they, it's they, just they, lip service isn't it yeah, yeah these people yeah. have got lip service to all these all these great quotes that, that have just become yeah. um, like they're just quotes because what they're doing is nonsense a lot of it yeah so this is this is I'll give another example. Let, we're not trying to criticise every martial art on the planet here. You know what? I love Tai Chi. I think Tai Chi is great martial art. So I'm not criticising Tai Chi. But yeah, I'm but only there's a lot wrong with Tai Chi as well. At the same time, I'm only criticising the general standard of practitioners of Tai Chi rather than because there's some great guys out there. But uh, you go to the average Tai Chi class as I've done over many years, uh, and you start pushing hands with them, if even if they're willing to do it with you. Uh, and you absolutely trash them with you trash them with one or both hands tied behind your back, uh, and the the response that you get is you need to relax. So I lost because you need to relax. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. and it's that kind of thing. It, it yes. almost becomes like cult like, doesn't it? You know, we talked about this in terms of aikido. Um, that there are things that, that every every one of these these schools if they're not very very well I, let's say every one of them i mean even mma you know even mma uh, which i also love uh they get a miasma around them mm. they get a, a a sort of worldview that they can't see outside of and within that worldview they're always right yeah so that their their constraints that they put on their worldview i mean for instance um uh, in terms of MMA, the um, you know the, the, there's this worldview that uh, if your martial arts so good, then come and prove it, kind of thing. You have that kind of thing, yeah. Mm. But when people are saying that, they're not generally expecting somebody to turn up with a live spear, for instance. You know? Yeah. Um, so it's because that's that's outside of that worldview. It's a sport, and it's a, it's a great sport, wonderful, and it's done some great things for the world of martial arts. It, it, uh, it's, it's done some negative things, but I'd, I'd say on the whole, it's been a, it's been MMA has been a massively positive influence on the world of martial arts, yeah, for sure, uh, in general. But um, but there is always a miasma, even in things like MMA. Yeah, there's always a miasma. Yeah, I mean, one of the antidotes to the miasma that builds up around around martial arts, I think, is live training, and it's martial arts without the live training aspect that drift. Um, into the sure. into the world of the miasma. Sure, but these guys were doing live training in this movie. <laughs> there were two classes, weren't there? Well, there yeah, were two, the, classes. two classes. There was yeah. the daytime class. There was the daytime class, and then there was the special invitation only evening class. And in the evening class, you know, well, they were um, they were doing proper like killing each other, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were literally killing people. You know. Yeah, uh, and the, also um, that the blue the no stripe blue belt who 
turned up at the night class uninvited. That was yeah, hilarious. That was good. That was well. Right, it wasn't hilarious, hilarious for him, was it? <laughs> no, because I've I've been to invitation only classes in the past, especially the further going back further back in time, and that was just wondering if what would happen if somebody who wasn't invited had shown up. You know, I don't mean for me. I mean from the people who are teaching me. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they probably wouldn't have got a very good reception, frankly. So what happens um, in the film um, for people that haven't watched it is that the, the, there's been this kind of a, a character who's a, a blue belt throughout the film who's a bit annoying. Um, he kind of just keeps saying the wrong thing at the wrong time and upsetting the teacher, and he's he's not really getting promoted like he should be or he thinks he should be. So he he invites himself into the night class. And, and in the night class, Sensei sees him there, and without saying, what are you doing here? He just asks him to come up and help him demonstrate. Then he just breaks his, breaks his arm, <laughs> like horrendously. And the guy's screaming, yeah. there's blood coming out of it, it's bending the wrong way. It's, it's just horrible. Um, and then he goes, I never want to see you again. Yeah. And that's it. And that's the end, of, you know, what but, do you think that's the end of his, his, his career in martial arts or in karate? Yeah, and that guy, I've met him. I don't mean the actor, and I don't mean that exact guy, but I've met that guy, belt-obsessed guy, yeah. many, many times in, in my career in different martial arts. Um, they, they do exist, and again, it was, it was a caricature. It was an extreme caricature of um, guys that do do it. They're, they're always trying to get the next belt. Um, I've got people, actual people, I'm not going to mention any names or what martial arts or anything, but... And I've seen that. I've seen guys that got so obsessed with their, their belts that when somebody gets promoted uh, further than them, they get really, really angry, upset. Um, and so this is what, the, whenever that happens, I always put my Shingy hat on and think belts are garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and one of the things with a Shingy hat on, no matter what you do with your belt system, it doesn't matter what you do with it, you will always end up with somebody with a lower belt who's more able than somebody with a higher belt. It doesn't matter how clever you are, how how well you do your gradings, anything like that, it'll happen. Mm. Um, and so what, what you really need is a, is a culture within the class, within the club. If you're going to have belts, you need a culture that that is cool with that and everybody's cool with that. And it's, it's making a big deal over belts. Is is especially like you know, <laughs> this, the the kid in this film or the young man in this he's not that young he's in thirties, obsessing over his yellow belt. I, on the one hand, you know, bless him, you know. I, I remember that. I remember having a yellow belt. I'm <laughs> being delighted, you know. Uh, I probably was trying it on. Truth be known, don't go back to the 70s now. Truth be known, trying it on in the house, looking in the mirror and all that <laughs> kind of stuff, you know. Uh, but again, the mystery's gone out of it. And, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. It, it's probably healthier now, you know. Uh, quite funny, uh, one of the guys that I, I really love is uh, John Hackleman. He's a tremendous uh, Kempo teacher, Hawaiian Kempo teacher. And, um, and he did a... a, a, a some high-ranking black belt grading uh, for it's on YouTube somewhere for for his student Chuck Liddell, uh, who's a famous MMA fighter. For those who don't know, uh, and he says um, 
it's it was supposed to be some black belt or red belt or something like that. He says he says, but Chuck likes blue, so blue's what he's having. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> you know what colour would you like? <laughs> you know, and that's, that's a, and that's great. That's a family thing. You know, it's um, it's uh, I, I really like that. I really like that. You know, it's a kind of the 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 belt is if you've got to have them, they should never. The culture that builds around the belts should never outweigh the culture that builds around the family. In my opinion, uh, you know, martial arts are best practice in a family. Yeah. kind of atmosphere yeah and it's it's definitely you know the film was like a exploration of what happens when the hierarchy idea can't, and it is run by a maniac you know if there's a maniac in charge <laughs> yes. then yes. and everyone still ends up following him and doing unspeakable things um, yeah it's a bit and so so it's um, so the it, it's hitting every non-PC between me and the book isn't it really well there's you know? a lot of sexism uh, in this film like Overt, yeah, yeah, so overt sexism, which we, we should the, talk the, about. This that. guy, the guy Thomas, I think he's called. He gets the first black belt promotion, uh, and he gets promoted over Anna, who is female and the the obvious candidate for the next black belt promotion. And um, and basically, the explanation as to why Anna can't have a black belt is she's female. <laughs> yes, well, she, and then it goes on to say things like, "Well, obviously, you're naturally weaker than a man," and. No, yeah. all, all this kind of, st- <laughs> and then and then she proceeds to beat up the uh, the recently promoted black belt. Yeah, she's clearly the best person in the dojo, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. but it's 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 the kind of repeated sexism where he even makes fun of um, Casey's name because it sounds a bit feminine, you know. Yeah. And, no, and then he starts making them doing all sorts of stuff like listen to heavy metal rather than. Uh, Casey likes adult contemporary music, and he forces him to listen to heavy metal because it'll make him more masculine. And then he kills his dog because his dog is too feminine, <laughs> and gets in this massive <laughs> German shepherd. Oh, that dog, man! That dog was so cute. Yeah. I was just, oh, I love your little doggy. I'm sure they didn't kill it in real life. <laughs> well, he ended up as a, as a on the dog. wall next to the grandmaster as a picture, didn't he? Well, that right, that the dog was the star of the show for me. I love that dog. Uh, he's so cute. I mean, obviously they picked it because how cute it was, you know. Mm. Uh, and then he buys him an Alsatian, doesn't he? Or gets him an Alsatian. Yeah. yeah quite funny. A, a, a murderous uh, wolf-like <laughs> hound, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and then he, then he teaches him. He's teaching him to be more assertive, isn't he? Yeah. And he goes back to work. and he, Because he's been dead timid at work before that, hasn't he? Mm. And uh, then he punches his boss in the throat yeah. or something. You know? His, his, bo- his boss suggests he get on with his work, so he just punches in the throat and says, No, I do what I want to do. <laughs> I'm a man of action. Yeah, and so he gets fired over that, and then Sensei hires him to do the account, right? He's an accountant. Yeah, so. um, and that, that's the other thing that, that was very interesting was the, the prominence of the administrative aspects of the school. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of time spent on typing stuff into the computer. Uh, it's got the, the, like an on-computer questionnaire for the students that has multiple choice answers and stuff. And, yeah. Why do and you want the, to start karate? A, B, yeah, C. and all that. Kind of, <laughs> that's right, yeah. And then that sort of links into people say their motivation when they come to class and say their motivation is to get fit. Um, I, I've, that was true. you know, to, to a certain extent, from my experience of martial arts, when when people come with any of those motivations, I want to get fit. Um, 
I want to uh, I want to learn self defense. I want to. I just don't listen to that uh, because I've only seen one reason why people stick martial arts long term, and that's because they love it. Um, uh, people, those things are not enough of a motivator to keep people doing martial no, arts. No, they run out very quickly. Uh, and I've they? seen that. Uh, I've seen that again, and again, and again. Uh, something happens, people are anxious about it, so they're going to take up martial arts for self-defense. But then, as time proceeds, the event that was traumatic is no longer traumatic. They don't need the martial arts, so they're off again. Uh, and it's the same for fitness, where you just go to an aerobics class or go to the gym if you want to keep fit. Um, but th- like I say, all the people I know, probably self-included, uh, who've done martial arts a long time, it's because they love it. And, you know, yeah, if you ask absolutely. them why they do it, you know. Um, and you can think of like you know that that whole self-defense motivation you know is 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 just nonsense in terms of especially I mean people like Casey in this movie living in the states um, the, the movie's conclusion is pretty much all he really needed was a gun. Well, that that's, <laughs> um, that I mean the, the gun is a recurring uh, theme throughout the whole film. It's right at the start before yeah, he goes yeah. to martial art class. He goes to buy a gun, and. So yeah. this this film isn't pro gun or anti gun because it because it it gives you all the reasons why you shouldn't own one. You know, it just it just literally That's lists right. them. Yeah. You know, if you if you have a gun in the house, your risk of suicide has gone up by X percent. If you have a gun in the house, your chance of being shot with it by someone else are now going up by like twenty percent. Um, yeah, but at the same time, it's the gun that that beats the sensei at the end, isn't it? So. Yeah, and and that's why the film really had to be set in America, didn't it? Because I mean, you couldn't set that film in this country because no. you wouldn't have been able to get a gun, no. uh, especially somebody like him. I'm sure if you if you try hard enough, you can get a gun in this country. But somebody like the the character portrayed would not be able to get hold of a gun in this country. Oh no, um, no way. And so, so that was a very different thing about it, and and that that raises that question about self defense, doesn't it? Given that if you live in the U.S. Certainly, in, in certain states, you can you can carry a gun uh, to keep yourself safe in, ter- in terms of self defense and all that kind of stuff. So, what's the point um, of karate then? Is, is I guess is what it's what saying. What is isn't the it? point of martial arts? Because you know, it's um, the standard you need to be at to remove a gun from somebody uh, is is uh, to have any chance at all of removing a gun from somebody who's intent on shooting you uh, is is phenomenally high. Even if you're within arm's reach of them, mm. if you're not within arm's reach of them, there's all you can do is <laughs> dive for cover. Um, but um, but in general, you know the, the you see these sort of fast guns disarms and stuff like that, uh, or you could you know you got to take control. The thing is, if you're phenomenally high standard and the other person is untrained and you're within arm's reach and the gun isn't already pointing at you, maybe they're just in the process of lifting it up towards you, then maybe you have an outside hope. Mm. But, you know, in terms of how long it takes to buy a gun, which went, they went into in the film, didn't they? There was yeah. a cooling-off period. Yeah, they wouldn't let them buy it uh, straight away because you have to, as you yeah, said in the film, yeah. if you if someone's annoyed you and you want to shoot them, you have to wait a little while. <laughs> yeah, unless you've already bought it previously. Yeah, and you're and ready if for you, it. If you're the sort of person who gets annoyed enough to shoot somebody... Uh, then you've probably been that annoyed in the past and already gone and <laughs> started your waiting period. Mm. Uh, I did I did read an interesting statistic. I know a lot of our listeners are in the States, so there's no disrespect, but it was an interesting statistic uh, in terms of um, uh, demographic in the northern and southern states. I 
I believe that. Um, I think I learned this in a behavioural biology lesson one time. Um, that in the southern states, the general crime rate either is or used to be uh, much lower than in the northern states. But the single crime of homicide is much higher in the south than it is in the north. It's the other way around. And I think this goes back to the, the Confederate honour culture. Uh, within the Confederate States, there was an honour culture. I guess like they had in in Europe in the Middle Ages, um, which is, you know, uh, I challenge you to a duel, you cad. That oh, kind of, yeah. kind of honour culture where somebody's honour is hurt so badly that they feel like killing the other person. Uh, like, because of the social shame, if they don't, kind of thing. Um, whereas in certain places in the world if somebody calls you calls you a name or says you're stupid or something like that uh, you know that's such a common occurrence that people are just laugh it off and it's no big deal and it's no you know uh, and I think that again it comes back to the miasma of the place um, where you are um, but honour cultures can be extremely dangerous you saw that in Japan uh, in the medieval period uh, when the when the actually when the when the um, the warring sort of states periods, Sengoku period, and the, the 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 era of the true samurai, that's the samurai who go out and fight on the battlefield. When that was over in 1600, they developed an honor culture. That the Confucian leaning Tokugawa developed this honor culture within Japan, where people would fight over, you know, slights like you know, something as minor as one guy's scabbard actually taps the other guy's scabbard and some idiot turns around as honour is insulted and cuts the other guy's head off, you know, mm. uh, over such a tiny little thing. That was a feature of peace. It was a feature of peacetime. Um, a, a country that's run by warriors and where warriors are the elite, the aristocracy, uh, that is peaceful and there are no wars to fight, then then that kind of thing's inevitably going to happen. Uh, the the irony, of course, is that a lot of people in modern times, which is an influence on this film, right? You had the, the Grand Master with a sword in the photo that they were all bowing to. Um, the image that people have of the samurai as these warriors who were, were, would instantly draw their sword and kill these, you know, like Kurosawa movies and all this kind of thing, or kill these baddies who are attacking them and all this kind of thing. That image is based on the image that the samurai developed during that long peacetime period from 1600 to 1868 it has nothing to do with what I call the real samurai, the guys who were using their military arts to fight real wars before that when they didn't have that crazy honor culture, or at least not in the to the same extreme level that they had, so it's quite interesting that this kind of honor, you know, the, all those rules like do not wear your shoes on the mat, don't eat on the mat, it's all about disrespect isn't it? Yeah. Uh, all the rules they had in the movie and those disrespect things, are, and he comes and he comes and challenges them all, doesn't he? He goes on the mat with his shoes on, and then he starts spitting food all over the mat and all this kind of stuff at the end when he, when he loses a bit, Casey, yeah, in the movie. Um, that that disrespect is, is a dangerous part of. Uh, it's not the disrespectfulness that's a dangerous part of human nature. It's the way that people react to somebody else being disrespectful towards them. And, you know, that's one of the things that the modern era hasn't cured. In my opinion, it's got worse. Uh, if you look at a lot of these discussion groups about martial arts on the Internet, 
many people, not everybody, but many people incredibly disrespectful to each other on those groups uh, to the point of being, you know, downright rude. Um, yeah, I should probably put my hands up and say I'm probably one of those people that's downright rude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, mate. I don't know, mate. But, but the point is, if somebody is rude to you, uh, that's that's no reason to lose it. You know, you can't you can't cure all the world's problems. You can't force people to be nice. You can't force them to be loving human beings, caring human beings. You can't force that on anybody. That has to come from inside them. Uh, and so, but when somebody's like that with you, it's it there's there's a there's a disconnect you have to make. You have to you have to disconnect their behavior from your self-worth and I think this movie um, this movie was all about that it was all about all of the people uh, Henry the guy the blue belt guy who didn't get the extra stripe couldn't come to the evening class um, and Casey himself um, and Anna they their self-worth was too tied up in other things. Mm. Uh, for instance, Casey with his with his real belt, he gets a real yellow belt, so he can be a yellow belt all the time. He puts it on his work trousers and stuff. You know, um, it's it's this deriving value through things external to yourself, or your value, personal value, being eroded. Now, if I was sat in that restaurant and there was two, and I spoke French, and there was two people slagging me down in French, and I understood it, <laughs> you know. Make not the slightest bit of difference to me, uh, you know. Uh, you know, c can if they were if they were hurting somebody who I cared about, then that'd be a different situation, you know. But but for me myself, you know, I, I you know probably fired as much criticism as myself, more criticism at myself than anybody else is going to fire at me, and I'm certainly not going to react like you know, like that. And it's probably why I I never really ever got involved in you know, flame, what they call flame wars on the internet and yeah. stuff like that, you know. Uh, it's just not something that interests me at all. Um, and people start saying stuff, and you know, about whatever. Uh, and they're super passionate, and I can see them sitting there, you know, <laughs> sitting there at their keyboard, you know. And, uh, so the, the, the reposter, the, I think the correct reposter, all of that stuff is go do some training. You know, if you're so passionate about my thoughts, why don't you go and do some training? Because that's what I'm going to do. You know. mm. um, so, uh, yeah, but there's something wrong on the internet. It has to be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been asked that. Yeah, where do you get this information from? They want a, an internet citation. Mm. If you, uh, you know, the the answer I got it from my teacher is 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 not acceptable anymore. No. For some reason, <laughs> direct experience it has to come from matter, the internet. Doesn't doesn't, yeah. doesn't count for anything, does no. it? You know, yeah. No, I actually Quite I actually experienced this firsthand from my teacher. It's not it's not it's just not acceptable now. There have to be multiple sources yeah. and records. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not on the internet. It doesn't exist. Well, that's that's a problem for me because uh, the the internet started taking off, what, about 97, 98? Yeah. Uh, I, I'd been doing martial arts a very long time by the time 1998 came around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, quite interesting. Um, I try to think if there's anything else in the film that I would uh, want to pick up on. It... it, it dawned on me after a while I think maybe I'm just a bit slow but it dawned on me after a while Casey gets beaten up at the start of the film by a bunch of motorcyclists mm. 
And that's what motivates him. The fact that he's been beaten up is what motivates him to go and join the karate school. And then it sort of dawned on me later in the film that it had been the karate school dressed up as motorcyclists who'd beaten him up yeah. in order to make him... <laughs> Yeah, and when he discovers that, 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 and then he, he discovers it, and he, he finds out he becomes one of them, and he's beating other people up, and it's like that's right, he's yeah. become the thing he hated most, hasn't he? And and to sense it, it doesn't matter who gets beaten up. He says, "Oh, I found one of the guys." Yeah, anyone will um, do. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> and and it turns out that it's Anna, uh, the girl that that persuaded them not to kill him when they beat him up the first time. Um, quite interesting uh, I, I thought that was a good sort of, I don't know if it was a twist, maybe I'm just slow but it was a twist to me, I picked up on that later in the film rather than uh, or it sort of dawned on me, I guess a lot of people would have thought that straight well, away yeah, I think, I think it was meant to dawn on you slowly throughout the film that there's no one else that yeah. could have been it had to be these guys that actually beat him up at the start um, especially yeah. after the sensei finds that completely innocent random person and tells him oh he did it then, then you kind of know that, you know, he knows he really did it because it, because it was him. <laughs> so, yes, it was him. He, it was him because he had a motorbike, and then it turns out he didn't have a motorbike. He had a bicycle. Yeah, but the the ending was yeah. the ending was good. I thought, where, where, especially the the kind of Anna's character who who kind of gets her redemption. Who gets promoted? As the, yeah, she gets. Yeah, she gets promoted. She yeah. finally gets the black belt and. And then she, she now she's in charge, and things are going to be better. And yeah, you just kind of yeah. know things are going to be better. Um, yeah, yeah. Presumably, they just forget about all the people they killed. It doesn't matter. Well, you <laughs> have to. You have to. Oh, yeah. The, the, the sensor is super creepy, hasn't he? He's got a crematorium in the in the equipment yeah, cupboard. He's burning the bodies <laughs> in, in the equipment cupboard. Yeah. yeah. But um. But it's it's. Also, how, I mean, how, how is that? How is that school financially viable? Because they've got about six students. <laughs> I think in, it's, it's possibly viable because, again, uh, you, if you think about the era that it was set in, there was no... Well, what I feel it was set in, I feel it was, it was 70s, 80s type of era. Yeah. Th- there was no knowledge around. If you're in a town, quite a big town and there's not a lot to choose from martial arts-wise and you really want to do it, you go to the school that's available to you. Uh, a lot of people... That's another thing in terms of motivation. I mean, you know, I, I used to travel 9,000 plus miles to to study martial arts and, and people that, that I've met uh, you know, talking about motivation unwilling to go very far past the bottom of their street to go to a martial arts class you know? no. <laughs> so it's um, and even now I travel around a lot as you know and, and I'm, I'm, quite, I'm willing to go quite a distance to, to study with somebody or, or at least put myself out to study with somebody who I think I can learn from you know, learn something good from um, and um, when when you're in a situation like we were in those days where there wasn't a lot to choose from we did what martial art you know, people, what martial art do you choose that's a modern question we did what martial arts were available and if it was available we did it <laughs> going back to 70s early 80s you know uh, and I, I remember there was a time when I was doing literally I was based in Central Leeds in, in Scotland uh, this would be in the early 80s, early, no, probably mid-80s, mid-80s. And I literally did every martial arts class that was in that entire area. And I used to travel quite far to go to some of them. Every, so I wasn't picking a style, I was doing literally every single style there was to do there. Mm. Um, there wasn't a huge range of stuff, you know, um, but, but 
the and going back when I was younger so again it's, your horizons are smaller then because you're not transport's a big deal for you when you when you're very young. Mm. Um, but again, it's like what's available. That's what you do, right? Mm. And nowadays, it's like you get this thing. It's almost like what's the best martial art? Like people having these discussions on the internet. Uh, when you know full well, the vast majority of them are going to go past the bottom of the street, so it's a completely irrelevant discussion. Uh, but um, it, it is one that goes on, and, and the, that that implies some kind of choice, you know. Uh, and sometimes you don't have a choice. Uh, sometimes you, you get a bit of luck in your life, and you run across somebody good. Um, and that's uh, that's what you hope to happen. And then then you, you you take your look. You know you have to. There's two things you have to have the opportunity, and then when it comes along, you have to snatch it. And sometimes the second one, be the willingness to do what you need to do to do the second one, is is the bigger thing rather than just the opportunity coming along and you you spotting it. You know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, like I say, the whole thing in general, the whole thing made me very nostalgic. Uh, not for that class. But what I would like to do is like a high quality nineteen late nineteen seventies style dojo. <laughs> uh, I'd like to open one up, and maybe I might get one or two students coming. You know, uh, and you could you could do what they've done. You could incorporate a lot of the modern learning, and you know, we probably I, I, I quite like to do it. So call it just something like karate, no style, no, no nothing, just karate across the top. And you could incorporate bits of MMA and, and BJJ and, you know, some, <laughs> a bit of Mongolian wrestling, some Shingy. Maybe the punches were a bit, bit harder than you might expect. He did, he <laughs> did mention that that. Mongolian, Mongolian wrestling. did get a mention in the film, didn't it? But when it yeah. He said, I I, I'd, so. le- I'd so. learn any technique that works. So, so, something, something yeah, that's Mongolian right. Wrestling, yeah. yeah, yeah. And... Um, of course, that's going back to Bruce Lee's absorb what is useful thing, you know. Or, um, as they called it, I think it was Rule 10. If it works, use it. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was really funny how Sensei also started getting the rules wrong. He got the rule numbers wrong. Did he spot that? No, <laughs> I didn't spot He was reading rules out. It says Rule 8, and it says what he said wasn't what was written on the wall. Oh, I can't right. remember what it was. But it was something like but that. He, he, got he said, because I wrote it down, he said Rule 8. No, um, Anna said it when she... Rule 8 was take a tap or nap, so... I mean, probably at that point, we should take a nap as well. We've talked about this long enough, haven't we? Yeah, I think so, mate. Uh, actually, it's been quite good fun. I really appreciate the film recommendation. When you first mentioned it, I thought, oh, no, another another movie making fun out of martial arts. Um, uh, and it's actually not that. It's actually not that. It's something, it's like you said, it's something far darker than that. It's, it's a lot uh, It starts off being the... comedy, then turns dark. But I think at the heart of it, like you yeah. say, there is a... I think there's a love for martial arts in the film, even yeah. even though they were kind of making fun a bit of all the nomenclature and everything that goes with yeah. it. I think there was a kind of a underneath it all, there was a sort of respect for the martial traditions. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and so I think I know what we've got to do now. At some point in time, maybe we'll just do this for the patrons. Is um, Damon and Graham's top ten martial arts movies? Oh, that's a good idea. All right, let's do that. <laughs> all right, mate. All the best. Okay, all the best. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.